Welcome to episode number 304 of Category 5 Technology TV. I'm your host, Robbie Ferguson. And I'm Abigail Page. Page! No longer Smith. Nice one. <laughs> We're going to talk more about that. Hey, it is Tuesday, July the... Or, yeah, the 16th. I'm so bad with dates. I don't really know. I, was like, I just know yeah, it's Tuesday and I'm supposed to be Tuesday. here. Obviously, it's Tuesday. Yes. So, first off, we're going to do the uh, what's coming up in the news. And you know, I'm great with news. I always uh, stumble, but it's not like Rachel with the clouds. So, yeah, we're good. Yeah, about the clouds. <laughs> this, this is fair. Yeah. Sony is dropping their appeal of a fine for exposing gamer data to hackers in an effort to not expose gamer data to the courts. A huge... Mm-hmm. A human-powered helicopter has finally claimed a 33-year-old prize. Don't really understand that, but okay. An app that allows synchronized playback of audio on all your devices is coming in August, and it's all thanks to some university students. An apparent iPhone electrocution... (laughs) I was looking at that word, I'm like, I don't think I've seen that word before. Electrocution? This is serious, okay. Yeah, this is a serious story, not to make light of it, Abigail. I didn't read the other part, okay. Oh, yeah. An apparent iPhone electrocution death is being investigated in China. And finally, it's about time, eh? Kickstarter is coming to Canada. Fantastic. So stick around. These stories are coming up later in the show. Thanks, Abigail. Tonight's show, we are going to learn to add some kind of pizzazz to our, our text by adding synthetic... Uh, perspective using the free GNU image manipulation program. I love playing around with uh, with GIMP. That's the name of it. And uh, <laughs> lots of fun. We're going to learn all about it tonight. Great. So have a question? Dial 2545-CAT5-TV. We have the phone. We're waiting for your call. call so us. if you have questions, call us. Or join us in the chat room. And it's Category 5 on Freenode. Or go to cat5.tv slash ask to send in your question by email. Don't go anywhere. It's going to be a fantastic show. (laughs) Fantastic. Not great. Stick around. Fantastic. Fantastic. This is Category 5 Technology TV. At EcoAlkalines, we believe you should be able to trust your batteries not just here, but here, here, and here. But with one exception, you should also be able to trust your batteries here. EcoAlkalines are the world's first and only certified carbon-neutral battery manufactured to the highest standards of recycling and quality, without any trace amounts of harmful chemicals like mercury, lead, or cadmium. EcoAlkalines provide performance that rivals leading national alkaline battery brands at a comparable price. Find out more about the EcoAlkalines difference. EcoAlkalines.com This is Category 5 Technology TV and our website is www.category5.tv Good to see you. Abigail Page. Page. Do you know how much work it is to have to go back over every page of every page of (laughs) our website and change your name in every instance? I'm sorry to cause inconvenience. Yes. But yeah. Yeah. So it's been a while. I don't think I've been on since March. I'm not sure. When was it? Would have been uh, episode. Well, when we did the second part of the photo yeah, booth. The second part of the photo booth. So that's quite a while ago. Look in my notes. Two hundred eighty-six. Episode two eighty-six, and we're at three hundred four now. So it's been a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Time flies. It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, birthday month here at Category Five. July is always birthday month. Want to uh, wish Hillary a very happy birthday this coming Friday. Uh, my wife Becca, who's going to be co-hosting the show in August as well, uh, she comes on once a year, so uh, we're looking forward to having her on the show. But she is celebrating her birthday on Monday as well. So a lot of birthdays in July. Yes. I always lose track. There's too many people with July birthdays. Yeah. My birthday is tomorrow, incidentally. Wish him a happy birthday. Come on. Come on. Waiting for it. Waiting <laughs> I don't see anything it. in the chat room yet. No happy <laughs> birthday, Robbie. <laughs> nice to see you, everybody. Great to see you joining us in the chat room. Uh, I see a couple of new faces and uh, people who have been checking out the show and maybe not signed into the chat room before. Love to hear from you. Just pop us a note in the chat room where you're from and uh, if this is your first time here. Great to see you. 
I see Bob K fifty four as well as uh, Alan, and uh, who else have we got? SWL Brazil, super awesome. Nice to see ya. Like good person, super awesome person. Abigail was mentioning. Make sure you give us a call if you have a question for us tonight. Two five four five cat five TV. And don't forget, our mobile website is up and running for you, m.cat5.tv. So if you've got your mobile device, scan that code, and you'll be able to get on there and uh, view the show live. You'll be able to listen to the live show. It's all there at m.cat5.tv. And Category5.tv is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. And the International Association of Internet Broadcasters. I think we should welcome some of our new viewers to the show, uh, people who have registered on our website, Category5.tv. This week, uh, we've got Mark M., as well as CJ Julius, Trina Sweet one and Moman61. Nice to have you registered at Category5.tv, and uh, it's a free service. So anybody who wants to go and register, Category5.tv, you get some additional bonus features as well as... Uh, Admission into draws and things like that. I think you forgot Jot, though. Jot's a new, a new, Is he new? A new member, I think. Ah, yeah. right, yeah. yeah. It's that short-term memory. Jot is one of our longest-standing viewers, <laughs> yeah. having been here since, I believe, Every season week. one, isn't it? Every single week since season one. Cool. Okay, well, your wedding is now in the past. Hard to believe, yeah. eh? Yeah. We'll be two months soon. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Time flies. Really? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Feel good to be a married woman. It's Mrs. horrible. Page. It's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Wedding was beautiful. I mean, you were stunning, obviously. Um, Great weather, too. It was, it was perfect fantastic. weather. Wasn't hot or anything like I that. I had the privilege of following Abigail around with a video camera. You can actually watch the wedding at category5.tv go to abigail's bio uh, under about us and you'll be able to actually watch the wedding ceremony um but yeah it was a beautiful day um the photo booth incidentally lots went of fun pretty good yeah it was great i think it was great everybody just had a blast and people talked to me afterwards and said how can i get one of these things Tune into the show, and we'll show you how to do it. Um, reason I got notes here: if you if you didn't see the photo booth, episode two seventy nine is when Abigail and I sat down and started discussing how the photo booth was going to come together. And then on episode two eighty six, we actually built the thing. So we designed it, built it. Um, the specs are there if you want to build one, uh, and it it did go really really well. We've got a couple of shots of the bride and groom at uh, in the photo booth. You can see that. I mean, the photos turned out great. Aww, Aww, so really? sweet. <laughs> oh, she's not sweet at all. <laughs> so angry, Abigail. <laughs> but so the photo, sh- the photo booth was just kind of set up at the back of the reception, and everybody, like literally everybody, all at once, almost crammed in there. Oh yeah, and I have some pictures. There's like 20 people in there. It's like, how did that even happen? <laughs> I don't know. Like we planned, you know, three people. It'll it's be like great. Five Maybe feet four. Wide. Yeah. <laughs> It was literally five feet wide, and there were 20 people in there, and we've got the photos to prove it. But it went really, really well. So if you looked at those features, episode 279 and episode 286, and you're interested in building something similar, um, it went really well. Yeah. Have you printed any of the photos? I haven't printed them yet. I was looking through them the other day, though. Yeah. Turned out great. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Well, tonight, Abigail, I want to take a look at uh, how to create perspective, kind of backlighting some text and adding some shadows and and making uh, simply text look kind of funky. Uh, We're going to do that using GNU Image Manipulation Program. It's a free piece of software. You can pick it up at uh, GIMP.org if you're a Linux user. Regardless of what platform you're using, you can go to that website, GIMP.org, to find out more about them. I'm just bringing it up on my Linux system here. Um, If you're on Windows, though, you do need to go to a special website in order to get it. It's nightly.darkrefraction.com slash GIMP. I'm going to type it in here for you. just so that you can see it on your screen. For those of you who are listening, I will po- post a link in the show notes for episode number 403. Uh, pardon me, 403. Dyslexia is striking me tonight. 304! Okay, it is. Where was I? Nightly. Nightly dot darkrefraction.com slash gimp. If you go to there, you're going to get the dark ref- refraction. That is for Windows. Okay, so these are the stable builds for 
Windows. If you're using Mac, on the other hand, now Mac is no longer officially supported on GIMP.org, so you'll find that it's not in the download section, but they do actually support it uh, on Mac ports. So if you go to MacPorts.org, you can install their software, which allows you to install all different applications that have been ported to Mac OS, and that will actually give you access to, to the GIMP. Um, so this is a free alternative to, say, Adobe Photoshop, for example. So I've got it up on my screen here. There we go. Interface is a little bit different because you see that the Windows kind of float around and you've got a, a freedom there that you don't normally have with uh, a graphic editing tool. So I'm just going to create a new canvas. I'm going to just create this at, uh, let's say, um, I don't know, 1280 by 720 just to keep it simple. There we go. Okay, so it's a widescreen image. And what I'm going to do first and foremost is I'm going to create my first gradient. One of the things about creating perspective is involves gradients. Gradients really um, add that. And you're going to see here how I'm able to add basically a horizon line. So the first thing I want to think about is where the horizon is going to fall in my image. So I want that to fall about halfway. So I've got black selected as my foreground. I've got white selected as my background. That's fine. That's the way it's going to be out of the box, like when you first open it up. Then I'm going to select my gradient tool here and just make sure that it is set to a linear shape. Down at the bottom here, you see that it is selected as linear. So now with black as my foreground, I'm going to hold in my mouse at the top and create a straight line going down, and that's going to actually create this kind of a bit of a horizon-type look to it. Now I'm going to grab my rectangular marquee here, the rectangular select tool and zoom out of my image just a little bit and select where I want my horizon to be. So you see that line? I can actually select where the horizon is going to be in my image. And then I'm going to right click and go colors, levels, and we're going to brighten, which is to take the middle thing and drag it to the left. And we're just brightening that and it's only going to brighten the section that's within the marquee. So now if I deselect, you see that we actually have a, a bit of a horizon effect going on there. Ooh, ah. Ooh. <laughs> You're so impressed. So this is just a really quick way to do this. I mean, I'm just... I, I think what I'm doing tonight is not so much showing you how to create this perspective for text... This can be used for logos. This can be used to create buttons and graphics that you're going to use around the web. If you're taking product shots, you can cut them out and you can do the same kind of effects. It's really about learning how to use the software so that you can then take what I'm teaching you tonight and take what you've learned from those steps and be able to, you know, it transcends what we're actually doing. So if you say, well, why would I need to add perspective to, to text? Well, maybe it's a company logo. Maybe it's your latest product maybe you take your you know you want to take your thing and you want to do the same kind of effect whatever it might be so next step is i want to add some kind of a well i'm going to add text let's just keep it simple <laughs> okay so i've selected the text and i'm going to put in what should we put in here we'll use abigail do i need to add the copyright mark <laughs> and i'm going to make that text a little bit bigger over here on the right let's make it huge like that and we want to change the font so we select this uh, the font on the left hand side of this over here on the right your tools for uh, the font tool and I can cl click on the AB button on the bottom right which brings it out into a separate window so now I can single click on one of them and use my arrow key to select a font that I really like tell me when to stop Abigail <laughs> it's like all the same <laughs> <laughs> All these serif the fonts. Cool yeah, I haven't installed any fonts. Can you tell? Ooh, Ooh. let's let's go with something <laughs> kind of logo esque and like that. <laughs> something that is a little bit bold. I kind of like that for now. You know, just for the sake of the demonstration, mm -hmm. you might install some extra fonts to make it look kind of cooler. So now I'm going to take that and I'm going to drag it so that it's not behind the horizon we want it to actually be within the horizon so that it's it's actually an object that is you see how the, this is adding a little bit of a dimension if you look at that as if that's a horizon it actually kind of seems like it's popped forward a little bit so now what i'm going to do is i'm going to actually create a duplicate of that layer i've right clicked and go layer duplicate layer and if you look at my layers over here you'll see that i have now two copies of the word abigail okay so the one that's underneath 
I'm going to take that and I'm going to right click and go layer and we're going to transform and flip vertically. So now it is upside down. If I turn on the other one, you can see that it's overlapping each other. So I'm going to turn the top one off for a moment and I'm going to just move this one out of the way. And now I'm going to turn the top one on and position this kind of like that. Okay. So next step, I'm going to highlight my kind of the shadow here and we're going to add a blur. So I'm going to right click and go filters, blur, Gaussian blur. And we'll probably want that to be somewhere around 25 or 30. Gives you a nice little preview so that you can see how that looks. And you see that it's starting to get that kind of look to it that it is a shadow. Yeah, some kind of a shadow or perhaps a reflection at, at this point. Uh, anyways. So now what I want to do is decrease the opacity of that shadow by simply highlighting that layer and then drag the opacity percentage and you'll see that that actually changes the look altogether. So you're able to get a, a really nice subtle kind of look to it. So now we kind of need to, okay, well we've got this shadow behind us, but where is it coming from? Doesn't really make any sense that it's there, mm -hmm. unless it is a reflection, but we're again going for a bit of a lighting perspective here. So I'm gonna actually highlight the area that is my horizon again and let's just create a new layer just to keep things separate. And this time what I'm going to do with my gradient is I'm going to change it from linear to radial and just grab the center there and drag way far out and you'll see okay that's the inverse of what I want to do. I, I, I now have created a dark void. I want to create a kind of a light. So I'm going to invert my selection here on the foreground and background colors. Do the same thing again. And you see that's now creating a bit of a light behind the word Abigail. So I'm going to change the perspective a little bit, a couple times, just find where I actually want that to fall in relation to the shadow that's being cast. And it's just a simple way to create the effect. There's some kind of light behind the word Abigail that's casting a shadow in front of it. So now I'm going to take the foreground of Abigail and we're going to change it so that we're uh, basically locking the alpha channel. So I click on this button here and now whatever happens you know when I fill it in or if I color over top of it it's going to only do it within the word it's not going to go outside of that so now I can choose a color let's say I want to go with a nice maroon kind of red so I'm going to choose two different shades of red one's going to be a little bit darker so that I can create this nice gradient we're going to again do a linear gradient and we can experiment with how we want to actually have that fall so I'm going to put the darker at the bottom so that it again is casting a little bit of a shadow there and then we're going to just kind of create a bit of a hue kind of aura around this text. So now that I've created added the color, I'm going to disable the lock alpha layer, uh, the alpha channel there, and I'm going to actually add a filter, light and shadow, and a drop shadow, which sounds like this should be a dark shadow, but what we're going to actually do in this case is we're going to create something that's white and we're going to tell it that we want to blur it a fair bit. Let's say, uh, I don't know, 20 or so. And I am going to allow it to offset. Let, let's set actually our offsets to zero because we want this to, but I'm going to move it around manually. I'm going to disable allow resizing because I don't want it to actually resize my image. So now what I've done is I've got an offset of zero, offset of zero. So it's going to be right behind the text. The blur is going to be 20 pixels and the color is going to be white. The opacity of that layer is going to be 80, which I can change later if I want. Hit OK and you'll see that it's actually created uh, a subtle kind of, well, a whiteness around that. Now I've zoomed in just so that you can see that. We can see it a little bit better than you can at home uh, on our screen here. But now what I want to do is I'm going to, uh, now I notice I've selected my move tool. Okay, now I'm going to highlight the drop shadow, which is in fact just a white layer. See that? It's like a white version of the word Abigail. But I'm going to leave the red one active. But I'm going to leave, have this one as highlighted as far as the layers go, so that any manipulation that I do is going to happen to the under the white layer. I'm going to single click without moving anything. And then I'm going to use my cursors on my keyboard to actually move that around. And you see what's actually happening there? It's hard to do when I'm zoomed in, but you can see that the that glow is actually being moved around there. 
So now what I've got is I've got this kind of a... What's that <laughs> like? for the camera to take a picture and I was making I looked over at her and she's like so that one's gonna go on the website folks I was like okay we're not I was looking over at you to get your opinion it's your name looks good (laughs) thanks Abigail it's my professional opinion alrighty okay now the other thing that I might do here so what that white is doing is it's creating that kind of you know again it's enhancing that back light so that it looks as though whatever this is the text is is actually it's getting a light cast behind it and then we've got the shadow being cast down in front so what I'll actually do now is I'm going to take my marquee and I'm going to highlight half of the casted shadow I'm going to highlight that layer um, over here on the layers uh, tool and then I'm going to right click and go select feather and we're going to choose something you know I'm just I'm making up numbers but it, you can play around and see what works so I've now selected at 75 uh, I've created a feather so it's it is what it sounds like a feather m- means basically it's it's given it a nice soft gradient edge now I'm going to go select invert and then I'm going to add a layer mask with that selection and now you see what is actually happening there is that that mask is creating this kind of more of a faded out effect now I think it needs to be a lot higher than 75 now that I've seen that so I'm going to undo and notice we can do a multi-step undo with uh, with GIMP which is beautiful I'm going to go select feather and let's try uh, 200 again select invert and we're going to add a layer mask there with a selection and now it's much more subtle it gives us that more, you know, more of a, it faded into that. And there we have. So now we'll do a little bit of cropping. Now that we've got our image kind of the way that we like. I guess I would call that framing. You know, if you're a photographer, you know that framing is very important. So now you see that we've got a bit of a perspective that this is floating above the horizon. There's one thing that's missing here, and that is to take our round marquee, and you'll see what's missing is that there's no shadow being cast by this. So I'm going to create a shadow below Abby. And notice I'm now holding in my left shift key. And I'm going to put one below the G and below L. Okay, so now there, those are basically three marquees, which I'm now going to feather. We'll feather by, let's say, 75 this time. Then do a new layer. So now, if I fill that with black, I know you you can't really see because I've feathered, you can't see all three of the marquees, but they should still be active. Yep, there they are. Okay. So now you see that that has cast a a harder shadow underneath of the word itself. So I'm going to take that, I'm going to change the opacity again, because we're looking for, you know, slightly realistic. And we certainly don't want it to be hard black shadows. Opacity allows it to kind of fade. There we go. So much, much softer, but gives us that real feel that uh, it is indeed kind of floating above the horizon. And there we have it. It's so beautiful. You like that? That's pretty good. You're so genuine. (laughs) So incredibly genuine. Okay, so I'm going to save that. I'm just going to throw that onto our system here so that we can share it with you later, the uh, the full um, XCF file. So we're going to call that abigail.xcf. Of course, that will be downloadable in the uh, show notes for episode number 304, if you care to take a look. But before we close that down, I wanted to show you what it, what it would look like, what we could do with that kind of idea. So I just quickly grabbed the Ubuntu logo, which is 758 pixels wide, so that should fit just fine layer new okay so I've now just pasted that in there and I'm gonna remove all the Abigail stuff here as lovely as it is okay but I've left my horizon as it is so now that becomes kind of a bit of a template for me and I can move things around there we go I've got Ubuntu floating over the horizon and I can do exactly the same kind of effect so and you see how as I'm doing this it it can be done really really quickly so now I've duplicated the layer I'm gonna invert that one. I'm going to flip it upside down. Transform. Flip vertically. There we go. I'm going to grab that one. I think this one's going to work really well 
Abigail had that uh, that G that kind of dropped down below. You can see that this is giving us a much closer perspective to the uh, to the the image above the logo itself. Do a Gaussian blur on that. We'll leave it same settings. There we go. Now what's going to be different here is that this is a non-italic font. So my logo now that I'm using, the Ubuntu logo, is non-italic. So in order to create that perspective the way that it should be, there's something that we need to do. We need to use this, this um, shear tool. So we click on that right there. Okay. The images should help you find the right tool. But now I single click and I can shear that reflection. I can actually change the perspective of the reflection as it is right now. It's going to be a shadow in a moment. And then I move it so that it's in the right position compared to the letters. Okay, so now I've got that. Looks pretty good. But we want it to be a shadow. So again, we're going to use that alpha lock here. Lock alpha channel. And then we're going to right click. I've got black as my foreground. So then edit fill foreground color. And it takes everything there and fills it with black. So now we're going to change the opacity with a simple drag operation up here on that on that bar that helps us to do that and then we're going to create the backlight on the word Ubuntu so that is simply light and shadow drop shadow we went with 0, 0, 20 and white I thought that was a little heavy I'm gonna go with 10 this time and I think that looks a little bit better move it up there go. That's pretty soft. Okay. So now take our shadow there, grab the marquee, and select feather, and we had said 200 was approximately appropriate. Select invert, and we're going to create a layer mask with the selection. There we go. So now that's faded out nice and cleanly. And again, final step is to use some form of a marquee here just at the bottom of the word layer new layer feather that marquee I'm doing 75 pixels and I'm gonna go edit fill with background color uh, pardon me I meant to go fill with foreground color actually there we go and you see that just kinda darkens below now I can move that one around using my keyboard because if I use my mouse it's going to actually move the uh, the layer that I touch which would probably be the background because it's so well feathered and then just change the opacity of that to give it a nice realism there we go so that's the basic kind of underlying technique anyways to to get you started and as I say that can be used for so many different things you can imagine that that works really really well with box shots um, if you want to take screenshots of your website they go very very well in that horizon and then you do a bit of a reflection and maybe you don't turn it into a shadow maybe you instead create it as a reflection and blur it and add that uh, that feathered um, uh, layer mask just to give it a nice kind of fade out kind of look to it mm -hmm. but a lot of stuff can be done just using those quick techniques and that's GNU image manipulation program that's free so if you can imagine Photoshop is pretty pricey and it's easy to use I've used it before mm -hmm. and I find it easier than the Photoshop because Photoshop has so much going on that it's yeah like, ah. well the tools are all there I love I met I made a quick mention about how you know I noticed that I can undo everything like I can go back here and I can actually hit control Z over and over and over and over again and you'll see that it will go back in time all the way even back to Abigail Photoshop you have to do like the control, control yeah. shift Z like if control Z is undo and then control shift Z is to redo the previous tab it's it's a little bit frustrating for yeah <laughs> So this is a great tool. I mean, and it, it, as it's free, uh, it's excellent for the cost savings. So, but there you go. Again, uh, phone lines are open tonight. If anyone has any questions for us, um, <laughs> nice to see everybody. All right. Is it time for the news? Is it really time I for the news? I think so. <laughs> I think so. I blabbed on so much about this <laughs> GNU image manipulation program and all the fun stuff we can do with that. It is a fun program to play around with. Yeah. You ready for it? I am ready as I'm going to be. Take her away. <laughs> Here it's top. 
You weren't ready at all. <laughs> okay, I'll try again. Here are the top stories from the Category 5 TV newsroom. Sony has dropped its appeal against a 22... A £250,000 penalty imposed after its PlayStation Network was hacked in 2011. The UK Information Commissioner's Office imposed the fine in January, finding Sony negligent for ne- Negligent. <laughs> I'm bad at pronouncing words. You've and heard, I, I'm and sure then I haven't read it. It's one of those ones time. that you've heard the, the word and you've never read word. it. It's like colloquially. Colloquially? <laughs> colloquially. I can't say it. <laughs> yes. There's too many L's, like a tongue twister. <laughs> Try and say that five times. Can't yeah, really. <laughs> so the UK Information Commissioner's Office imposed the fine in January, finding Sony negligent. <laughs> I'll fill in wherever you need For failing to protect Just PSN users whose login and credit card details had been leaked. I remember, I think I did the news about this like a while back. I'll post that to Twitter for you folks. <laughs> Didn't I think we talked about this a while ago about the whole credit cards being leaked? Yeah. Like, I think it was my first time. It could the be. News or yeah, isn't that funny? It's but kind of ironic. I remember back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> back before you were married, your name was different. <laughs> in an ironic twist, Sony said it still disagreed with the verdict, but continuing to fight it would risk exposing sensitive security data. That's so crazy. Well, like we're being sued because we leaked your information, but oh, you know, we'll act all, you know, high and proper by saying, oh, we won't. We'll just let them charge us because we don't want to have to give them your information. They're trying to impress people. I don't know that it big works. Big company, they can do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> A Sony spokesman said, This decision reflects our commitment to protect the confidentiality of our network security from disclosures in the course of the proceeding. Hmm. A team of engineering students from the University of Toronto have accomplished a lofty historic first that has eluded the aerospace industry for the past 33 years. One minute of self-powered helicopter flight. That's crazy. Self-powered. I don't know if you can see this at home. We can see this a little better than you possibly, so I'm going to just zoom in here. It's like a severed-off bicycle with (laughs) a whole bunch of strings connected to it. Yeah. I'm just waiting for the whole thing to fold up. That's crazy. Just saying. Wow. The Eeyore... I Sikorsky. <laughs> Igor I Sikorsky Human Powered Helicopter Competition. First established 33 years ago, has remained a virtual holy grail for aerospace engineers until now. And without a winner, the $250,000 prize has sat unclaimed. Wow. Todd Reichert. You're not <laughs> You're supposed like, to help me. <laughs> should just make it up. Recurt. One of the lead engineers on the project said, this is a monumental challenge, this prize. This was a challenge that was set up 33 years ago, and until last year, really nobody had come close. According to the r- rules of the contest, a human-powered helicopter must remain in the air for at least one minute, a, hu- a height of at least three meters, and must stay within a 10-meter square box in what is essentially a hover position. Their successful flight on June 13th met all the requirements, and after rigorous analysis of the flight data, the team was officially awarded the prize Thursday. It's amazing that they didn't, you know, at some point just say, you know what, I guess it's impossible, we'll just scratch this whole uh, competition. Mm -hmm. 33 years the thing's been going on, nobody's even come close. And they finally did it in Toronto. Way to go, Canada! Yes! Where's my little Canadian flag? (laughs) I don't really understand the picture, though. Okay. Like, well, I think you know what is confusing about it is they're in a building that has these kind of rafter-like roofs, so you can't really differentiate the helicopter versus the 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 roof. Yeah. But all of the trellis kind of looking stuff that you see is actually part of this helicopter that they've created, and And these they actually spin as he pedals. And so it's like they, a helicopter with multiple... Multiple propellers. Looks like three or four. Four, to so me. Strange. So it's almost like a quadcopter, but it's powered by him pedaling the half a bike. 
who needs flying cars when you have this? Uh, <laughs> it, only, it only stayed up for 63 <laughs> seconds. I mean, it yeah. just, just made it. But. All right, a, what else you got for us? A team of students from Exeter, Exeter. What is with the news? Oh, my goodness, time? Abigail. I can't read any of it. Exeter University. Exeter, I don't know. Has won 50,000 or 33,100 pounds for developing an app that allows an infinite number of devices to play music simultaneously. That's awesome. The team behind the app, Soundskin, Sync, Soundskin, <laughs> won first prize in innovation at the Imagine Cup, a student technology competition sponsored by Microsoft. So far, they've tested it on 75 simultaneous devices. The app will be available across all platforms in August. So That's awesome. Four guys. Those. Well, I don't know how many guys were involved, but I think it's a it's a great idea because I listen to online radio like practically religiously. It's always on. Yeah. Um, and so when you have it playing, when you've got Shoutcast in every room of the house, they're so far out of sync that it sounds like just a mess. Yeah. So if you turn it up. So to have every device talking to each other and, you know, bi-directionally, like, syncing the timing so that every device plays perfectly, that's cool. That'd be great at, uh, you know, for, for so many applications. Yeah. I can think of even, like, live broadcasting applications mm -hmm. uh, or whatever they decide to do with it. But cool stuff. Police in China are investigating the electro electrocution death of Ma... Eilun, I'm not sure how you pronounce his name. The 23-year-old's brother has given an interview saying that her f her family believes she received the shock when trying to answer a call on her iPhone 5 while mm. it was charging. Apple has extended its condolences to the family and is cooperating with authorities as they investigate. Apparently, the China Consumers Associations had previously reported that a man had been killed in 2010 while making a phone call using an iPhone that was charging, but it was blamed on a third-party charger. In this most recent case, the charger was the original Apple charger included with the phone. Mm. Professor Will Stewart from the Institution of Engineering and Technology told the BBC, the charger output is low voltage. It's about five volts, much too unpowerful to be dangerous. Therefore, there should be no risk at all. Having said that, Something in the charger could have had a fault in it, or the main wiring it was connected to might have been faulty. He warns owners should be avoiding using mains connected equipment whilst in the bath or if they are extremely wet because water could run down the wire and into the plug. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. And the story never mentions if uh, Ailun was, um, was bathing at the time or, or what, what was going on, but... Um, fact is that that's scary mm -hmm. so i don't know I'd, I'd be apt just to unplug it and scary stuff but yeah. that's actually real i'm thinking about my cord for my phone i'm like maybe i should replace it it's looking a little bad oh is it tattered <laughs> yeah a little tattered don't take it in the bath <laughs> yeah kickstarter announced through its twitter account recently that it will allow users in canada to post their projects to the crowdfunding service later this summer the announcement didn't provide much detail, but users are able to sign up with their email addresses at kickstarter.com slash Canada to learn more information as it becomes available. Nice. Previously, Canadians were able to fund projects through Kickstarter's American website only if they had a U.S.-based bank account. Get the full stories at category5.tv slash newsroom. The category5.tv newsroom is researched by Roy W. Nash and Heather Bailey Brown with contributions by our community of viewers. If you have a news story you think is worthy of on-air mention, email newsroom at category5.tv. For the category5.tv newsroom, I'm Abigail Page. Thanks, Abigail. <laughs> yes, we made it. This is Category 5 Technology TV. We've got somebody live on the cat phone. Thank you so much for giving us a call. How are you? How are you doing? This is Jim. Hey, Jim. Happy birthday, Rob. Thanks, buddy. Uh, hey, I had a question. Yeah, what's up? I uploaded I uploaded a YouTube video. Yes. And it plays fine for me, but now it's it's a choppy sound, and uh, when I go full screen, it's real squiggly. How do I fix it? Can I take it down or what? Is it happening for other people as well, or is it just when you... I, uh, 
both computers is doing it, so I'm thinking it's, it's in YouTube. When did you upload it, Jim? Uh, last week on your show, remember I, I showed you KDUXP? Yeah, yeah, I remember. I sent, I sent you the link, the, the video, the link for oh, good. on the YouTube where you, where you send it, but yeah. I'm afraid it's messed up and I'm going to correct it. Jim, have you, are you in the chat room right now? Could you post oh, yeah, me the could you post me the link to that and we'll take a quick look for you. Okay. Jim, where are you calling from? Uh, I'm calling from Ohio. Very good. Uh, let me see if I can get a, I got my other computer here. Jim, I gotta say thanks for your patience as Abigail worked through the news, buddy. Oh yeah, I know I'd be hard. I give I have to reach words. I stayed away from the cloud though. But there well, yeah, might be. I, I didn't say anything about Japanese names. <laughs> I, I couldn't. I couldn't uh, read some of them names and all that stuff. <laughs> they got in trouble with that one uh, airport or uh, that crash. They were reading off uh, the, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. names, and uh, they said Wong too low or Wong too high or something. Oh yeah. And now they're, now they're going to get sued. Hmm. It's uh, a challenge sometimes. Yeah. Have you got that link coming for me, Jim? Yeah, you sure can. No. But all I, what I want to do is I want to pull up the video for you, Jim, and just see if it's doing it here. And if it is, then maybe we can maybe we can f- see about what what needs to be done to fix it for you. Is the is the audio out of sync, or what's actually happening, or is the the screen going green on you, or what's what's going on? Like about every fifth word, it'll it'll like you know break, you know, say up, uh, and, and then you know, and then that's how it'll do it. Hmm. Right. Okay. <laughs> On your local computer. I, I would think it might be, the you know, it could be as simple as the codec that you are, um, that you're using to output your video. Maybe YouTube, for some reason, is having trouble um, decoding that and re-encoding. Because when you upload a video to YouTube, Jim, what they do is they actually create all different versions for different uh, connections so that when people connect, it will give them the best quality that they can possibly support. So... When you first upload it and you push play, it's going to work perfectly because it's actually playing the video that you created. But then after an hour or two, once YouTube is finished encoding, you're not actually now seeing the video as you uploaded it. You're seeing a re-encoded version. So if YouTube for some reason had trouble um, reading your file automatically because they use an automated system to re-encode the file that might have now in- introduced some kind of artifacts into their re-encoded versions so what i would try if that's the case now i'm going to get you to still e- like send me a link to the uh to the video and and maybe after the show tonight i'm going to take a look and, and just confirm that this is true but what i would try is uh is save it as a couple of different video formats and i had to go through the same thing to be honest with you jim when i first started using youtube i had to try all different video formats and then i found the one that worked the best for their reencoders they do pretty good but sometimes it's still a little bit finicky depending on the file type that you're sending to it well, so well i sent avi i never had yeah. any problem with avi before well avi is just a container for whatever other you know whatever codecs you're using so just play with the settings and and uh, look at what what options are available in in the software that you're saving the video as, and uh, and try uh, try a couple different ones and see what one works the best. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna send that link. Try okay. To send that now, so. Okay, Jim. Thanks so much for the call. Nice to hear from you again. All right, thank you. Have a good night. Bye. Bye bye. This is Category Five Technology TV. I'm your host Robbie Ferguson. And Abigail Page. Abigail, you got some questions coming in for me? I do. Some of them are comments, but we do got some questions. So from Kevin Murathy. Sorry if I didn't pronounce your name right. You know how I am with pronouncing things. She's really good at it. (laughs) Thanks, Robbie, for the screen dimming debacle. I love that word. Resolution. You said it. I am so impressed. (laughs) Debacle? Debacle? (laughs) I had installed... M player when watching video it didn't dim but I like VLC better 
About the audio problem, I found out if I lowered the laptop audio, the TV still worked via HDMI. Ah, makes sense, yes. I'm happy now. Thanks for the response and fabulous job you do. Cheers. Thanks for the update. Uh, This is a question that came in last week, and uh, we appreciate that. Glad it worked. Glad it's working out for you. We have a comment from Bob K. 54. Hey, Bob K. Greetings from the bourbon capital of the world. Mm, Bourbon. (laughs) Unfortunately, I missed Tuesday's show and a chance to win the hub. Sadie face. (laughs) Catching up today, Saturday, and heard the bit about Kludge. Kludge, I think. We we determined it was Kludge. Kludge. Yeah. (laughs) Kludge. I like clutch better, but okay, clutch. <laughs> That's how I would read it. Yeah. I always thought it was a Yiddish origin, but maybe not. When I was a kid, kludge was a wor- common word about certain parts of Long Island, New York, years ago. See oh. website below, and he gave a link for many okay. images. I'll bring that up. Safe for work. <laughs> oh, cool. So this is uh, more information about kludge. I was also a Linspire user for a while, and it too helped me migrate my personal life to Linux. I've been a PC Linux OS fan for the past six years. Great show as usual. Hope to be back next Tuesday. Oftentimes, I'm lazy and just log in as guest, but Bob K 54 is my registered Nick. Cool. Well, thanks, buddy. Oh, this is great. Now I understand. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff that's just stuck together, I guess. <laughs> Listen, what I'll do is I'll post the link to that in the show notes for uh, episode number... 304. A lot of fun. Don't waste too much time, folks. we got work to do. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a question from Nikos Gokos. Nikos Gokos. <laughs> Nikos Kos- Kokos. That is tough, guys. Nico S-K-O-K-O-S. How am I supposed to say that? I hey. Hey, Nico. <laughs> there we go. Hey, Nico. Nice to see you. Hi, I have learned about your site from YouTube. I've been cool. trying to save any files from my crashed from my crashed hard disk, Windows 7 64. I've tried Ubuntu Live CD as you show, but my hard disk doesn't appear at all. It makes a sound tick tick like a watch does. So Uh-oh. I think it has been electrified. Can you please help me? I have files that if are if they've been lost, I will have serious problem with my work. Okay. Mm, this is, doesn't sound good, Nico. Um, if it's ticking, I, I wish that I had a, an example that I could show you, but it, it, I think the easiest way to envision the inside of a, a hard drive, a spinning hard drive, is to think of an old record player. And you remember the, the needle that would skip yeah. across? And if, if there was something wrong with the record, the needle would go, and it would never play the music, right? In the case of a hard drive, if it's doing that, it, it's very much the same, but it's a magnetic platter, and, and there are several of them in some hard drives. So you've got these platters, and they're spinning at 5,400 or 7,200 RPM, very, very fast-spinning little 3.5-inch platter, and you've got these heads that are on it like a record needle, and they read magnet- magnetic information and write magnetic information on the drive. If those heads have lost cohesion, if there's something wrong with the circuit board, they're going to go kunk, 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 kunk and they can't read your data, and your drive is never going to become ready, and I think that's probably what's happening to you is that your drive is not coming ready, which means it doesn't show up in your system because it can't be detected because it doesn't work. So the good news is the data is most likely still there on the platters, but the bad news is is that your heads can't read them. It can't read the data. So uh, usually, and now if that's the case, then... Um, it needs to go to a data recovery facility because you're going to need those heads to be replaced and then they would do a data recovery job. Unfortunately, because it sounds like this is work-related and you've got lots of stuff on there that's important to you, um, you you should know that it's a very expensive process to go through data recovery, and that's why I I quite often emphasize um, data backups. Backups are, you know, your, your preventative measure. Data recovery is your last resort you know, uh-oh, my hard drive has crashed. I don't have a backup, so what do I do? You have to go through data recovery. In your case, because it's clicking, I wouldn't even try anything with it. Um, you could try mounting the drive, but because it's clicking, because you've got that tick, 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 the, the more you do with that drive, the more likely you are to create a situation where it's going to end up actually costing more uh, because the the failure could be absolute, it could have already failed, or it could be it could be on the verge of failure, 
when it's ticking, you know that there's something wrong there with the heads, and so you don't want to mess around with the drive. You want to get somebody who's professional to do that. Uh, you didn't mention where you're from. Um, post us an email live at category5.tv. Just let us know uh, where you are from, and, and we'll certainly make some recommendations. A uh, company that we work with uh, is called pestdatarecovery.com. Um, I'll post a link in the show notes for episode number 304. Uh, they do a really good job, but they're here in Canada. So it depends on where you're located. They'll do drives from Canada, United States. If you're overseas, then we might need to find somebody for you over there. I'm not sure if they if they service overseas or not. Um, so sorry, it's it's kind of bad news. But the data could still be there. But when I say it's expensive, I mean we're t- talking it could be a thousand, it could be two thousand dollars to get your data off wow. that drive. Yeah. Was that much? <laughs> yeah, when it comes to that level of data recovery, yeah. Wow. Mm. Good. Well, because you can't just use software. Like, don't go buying software off the internet that says I'll recover all your files, because you, you that works in a case where maybe you've accidentally deleted a file. Well, that's yeah. different because your drive is still functional. But here you've got a drive that is malfunctioning. And if you continue to use it, so if you buy one of those pieces of software and try to recover it yourself, you're actually quite likely going to uh, negate your ability to eventually get the data off through data recovery because running that drive is a really dangerous thing mm-hmm. because it's failing or failed. So, yeah. yeah. So we do have more questions. Excellent. Thank you, everybody, for sending in your questions tonight. We have one from... Nico Linio from La Paz. La Paz. Another Nico, a different Nico that is also yeah. equally hard to pronounce, but thank you for Pretty <laughs> sending sure it in. Every name is difficult tonight. I don't even know how to say La Paz. La Paz, he's, they're from Bolivia. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> Robbie, thanks for tuning in. I was wondering if you have some advice to companies moving to open source. Well, here in hmm. Bolivia, at least companies that are small companies, so five, ten people, Use unlicensed software, exclamation no. mark. No. <laughs> especially, Bad Bolivia. <laughs> especially Windows OS slash office-based systems. To be honest, I never met any person or individual that officially bought a license ever. What? Nothing to be proud of. Yeah. I've always used Linux and FO, or FOSS, but with these said, in this kind of scenario, there are many companies that are moving to Linux and open source products and wanted to know what you would re- recommend to these people or companies okay. or if you know any strategic plan for this kind of migration. That's a really tough case. I mean, here, uh, okay, so it sounds like you've basically got a society of pirates. Really? So if that's truly the case, maybe you just hang out with bad people. <laughs> no, but seriously, if if in Bolivia it's just like that, and I know in China there are many areas which, you know, it's just all about, there's tons and tons of software piracy. It just goes on and, and so, to the point where you could buy software and you think it's legit and it's not. But here it sounds like people are just, you know, whether they're using torrents or what, but mm-hmm. using illegal software. That hurts a lot of people. I mean, you got to imagine that you know, the software is created and developed and costs money to create, it costs money to distribute, and if you're stealing it, then you're really hurting yourself because it's just going to, you know, cause the software to not be as good because they're not going to be able to pay the people to to keep things developed. I think in a scenario like that, the only thing you can say, I mean, because it's not about cost for you, right? Linux, open source, what is it? It's free as in freedom and free as in beer. So you've already got free as in beer because you're stealing everything. So that's not the sales pitch, right? It's, I, can't, I can't say to you, well, switch to Linux because it's free as in beer. It, you don't have to pay for it because you'll just say, well, I don't have to pay for Windows either. Nobody here in Bolivia does. So that's not what it's about. It's free as in freedom. That's the difference for you and for those companies. What does that mean to you? It means that you're going to be running a software, you're going to be running software, be it Linux, uh, be it the the applications that run on Linux, and those programs are going to allow you to modify them if you want to get, you know, if somebody knows how to code and they want to change the software, you've got freedom to do that. If you want to distribute that software, you can do that without the fear, because I, I gather you've got this underlying fear that what if somebody came in and and 
decided to press charges against people who are using pirated software. There, there have to be that fear still. But I think also with free as in freedom becomes this wonderful community of people. Remember the days when you can go to your neighbor and ask for a cup of sugar or a couple of eggs or whatever. You know, that's, that's the freedom of a community. Like people who genuinely, you, you can ask them for something and they'll give you what it is that you need because it's a community and, and it's, not a, it's not paying to receive something. It's people tr- trying to make the world a better place and that's what's a little bit different about free open source software. So you get into Linux because of the freedom, but also that community aspect. So what does that do for you as a business? Because, you know, you don't want people sitting in chat rooms and you don't want necessarily, you know, you don't need to program your new operating system. You just want to install it and run it. I think what it gives you, though, is that, okay, you're running pirated Windows. You're running pirated Photoshop. You're running pirated this and that. Who's supporting this stuff? Who's gonna, who are you going to call when something goes wrong or when you need an update or how are you going to get your update patches? You're going to go wait until they come back out on, on pirate sites or what? With free software, FOSS, FOSS software, it is not only available to you for free, but the updates are there. It is supported software. The community supports it. There are commercial software companies that support it. Ubuntu is one, uh, Canonical. And uh, so you can actually obtain support for the software so all of a sudden where you were running windows and you couldn't get support because it was illegal software now you can get into a forum and say oh i'm having this trouble with my linux distribution or getting this driver to work or this or that and 10 people will reply and say try this oh do this do that and it's legitimate response you're not you're not undermining anybody that's the support system of a free uh, open source platform so it's a different mindset i think so it's not it's not so much free as in beer it's free as in freedom that is uh, that would be of most appeal to me in a case like that so and just the sense of okay now i am i've got the freedom but i am legally entitled to use all of this software Mm -hmm. there's a good feeling about that i think i would think well, especially as a company. Like they were referring to as a lot of companies that yeah. are doing this. So Absolutely. But we do have a couple more if we can squeeze them in. And have to be quick, we got two minutes. We have one. Unreal. I've seen them in the what chat room. Okay, hey. Uh, SWL underscore Brazil. Hey. Hello, Robbie and friends. Am I your friend? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Is it possible to watch all cat five TV episodes? In the XBMC interface. Most Thanks. of. Most of, yeah. Um, actually, when you were first on the show, we talked about XBMC and how to, to do that. Um, so what I'll do is I'll actually bring up our website. I'm going to show you a really, really cool feature of our website. Category5.tv. All right? And on that website, you can go through each of the episodes and everything. Now, I happen to know that the episode that Abigail started on was, so we can go episodes slash and the episode was 266.php so if i want to get to that episode there we go okay so on this episode uh, we actually talked about xbmc and how to get your feeds added to it and i happen to know that that starts at 29 minutes and 50 seconds because it's in the notes but what i can do is i can actually add that to my address bar up here 2950 and it will actually start at that point in the video automatically so that will actually show you our answer right there. Look at us. We were such kids then. My hair is grown. That was your first episode, <laughs> October 23rd, 2012. October. Yeah. Okay, so that happened at 29 minutes and 50 seconds into episode number 266. I'm going to post the link in the, uh, in the chat logs there, in the chat room. There you go. You've got it. And uh, that, that will answer your question. Yes, it can be done through our RSS feeds, the only difference is we no longer have to have an alternate RSS feed because now all of our feeds, thankfully, are available anywhere in the world. We've upgraded our CDN, and you can actually watch the show from anywhere, including mainland China, which was the the reason that we started the alternate feeds in the first place, because mainland China was blocking YouTube and blip.tv and all that kind of stuff. 
Other cool new features on our website. I don't know if you've noticed yet. Go to our website, category5.tv. Uh, I just brought it up there, and it was our default background, but we also have animated backgrounds now, which is, I think, one of the coolest things in the world. <laughs> ah, eye candy. Love it. Category5.tv. Uh, the slideshow at your wedding during the ceremony was a really nice addition, I think, to um, to the whole ceremony. And yeah. while you were signing the, the wedding license and everything, it was it was playing up on the big screen. It was, it was beautiful and yeah, it was brought, brought people to tears, really. <laughs> I saw that in the front row, a lot of people. Next week, Crystal Wells and I are going to be sitting down. We're going to show you how to create slideshows from your pictures so we're going to be able to take your pictures and create these beautiful moving slideshows that you can use for weddings you can just use them for for fun maybe for business presentations things like that so don't want to miss that that's happening next week here on category 5 technology tv can't believe we're out of time abigail eight o'clock oh we made it all right thanks for watching everybody one last thing that i absolutely have to show you I could not believe this. I said it last week. They don't make it like they used to. Do you remember this laptop that I was showing you last week? The Compaq Armada 1750. It's massive, huge, and it still works. It still works, right? But what I could not believe, I left this plugged in all week, it still works. The battery still works. What? <laughs> This thing is, like, ancient. My battery lasts, like, an hour. They don't make these like they used to. And looking at Linspire here, it says in the indicator, I don't know if you're going to be able to see this. Let's get right in there. Can you see? An hour and 54 minutes left on the battery. I just had to share that with you, because I was like, what? <laughs> Have a great week, everybody. See you next Tuesday night. Thanks, Abigail. Bye. Good to see you. <laughs> Good night. Good night. We hope you enjoyed the show. Category 5 TV broadcasts live from Barrie, Ontario, Canada every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. If you're watching this on demand or through cable TV, check out the local showtimes in your area at Category5.tv and find out when you can watch live and interact in the community chat room. Category 5 is a production of Prodigy Digital Solutions and is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution 2.5 Canada. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in.